This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the best show on your radio. You know it better as Freddie and Harry. Got my man Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us in the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. In 30 minutes, you're going to hear why a lot of people still have love for the Buffalo Bills and why this one particular NFL player, a rival of the Eagles, has plenty of love for that team that comes your way in about 30 minutes. Damian Lillard will make his debut tonight for the Milwaukee Bucks. James Harden will not be there for the Philadelphia 76ers. If you have missed this story, he is out tonight. He wanted to be there. He got close to the team playing. And the team official said, we're good. We're booked. And he said, I'm James Harden. They said, yeah, we know. He is not going to play tonight, Chad, because Philadelphia said, it's probably best that you stay home and not make your debut. Even Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN NBA insider and proud alum of St. Bonaventure University, he said the ESPN found out the NBA asked about James Harden and the new player participation policy the league is investigating. NBA spokesman Mike Bass said, and I quote, we're looking into the facts around James Harden's availability tonight to determine whether an approved reason exists for his lack of participation, end quote. As if this situation, Chad, could not get more distracting and yet, here we are. Yeah, th- this is this this NBA stuff, this James Harden stuff. Um, it 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 bothers me at my football core. Okay. And what I mean by that is, yes, there are some diva wide receivers within football, and we're all familiar with the history of that. But this kind of entitled NBA ha- behavior is just so far out of football experience for me it's difficult to understand how you can allow this to happen when he, he's at practice and you tell him he's not going to make the road trip mm-hmm. it's not a suggestion yes it's <laughs> it, it's it's a, it's a mandate this is what we're telling you to do yet you still show up at the airfield and we got to get security to stop you. I know. What What are we doing? How entitled are these players? What kind of communication is happening within these NBA organizations where these guys think they can get away with this? Or on the other side, to defend the players maybe a bit, what kind of messaging are they getting from the coaches and the front office? We're familiar with James Harden's issues with the president of the 76ers, but are the coaches afraid? Are they afraid of – James Harden? Are they afraid of the team president? Are they afraid to communicate properly? Because ours, our last segment was about communication and conflict. This is now officially conflict because they have not handled the communication well enough. It's amazing. And speaking of communication, how James Harden communicated exactly how he felt about Daryl Morey, the Philadelphia 76ers, as a general manager. He said, I can't play for that guy anymore because that guy lied to me. And I don't blame Daniel Morey for saying, you know, we're not trading you. I stuck my neck and my behind on the, on the line for you not once but twice. Once in Houston and now with the Philadelphia 76ers. If you're going to be moved, you're going to be moved on our terms. And whatever asking price we're going to have, that's what we want. That's what we believe we're going to get in return. But now the Los Angeles Clippers, where he wants to go, they've said, hey, pause in that whole thing. We're not going to pursue James Harden because you guys are asking for too much. So now James Harden is thinking, well, I got to do something. I got to be able to play basketball, even though I've only been at two practices. And Philadelphia's like, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we don't want to trade you, but we don't want you here, at least for game one. 
There are certain yardstick competitions that you shouldn't try to win, and that's where we are. Both of these entities, James Harden is telling Philadelphia, my yardstick is bigger than yours. And Philadelphia's like, no, our yardstick is bigger than yours, and then we get all of this involving James Harden. Okay. Now, within the NBA, if you don't play and you travel, you got to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. So do you? Do they, they clearly do not want James Harden even on the bench. But the bigger yeah. issue for, for me here is you've got Joel Embiid, uh-huh. a NBA MVP, uh-huh. a guy who could go down as one of the all-time greatest to ever be on the hard court. And you, as an organization, the 76ers, are going to allow this James Harden thing to discourage, to frustrate Joel Embiid to the point where he's going to want out because you guys can't get this stuff right. So this is what I'm saying when where communication's got to come in and you got to be decisive with this kind of thing because the other people on your team, they notice what's happening, yeah. how far you let this go, how how much conflict you allow into the locker room and onto the practice court, into the game court. So Joel Embiid's taking notes on all this, and I'm sure he's having conversations with his agents like, you know what, mm-hmm. maybe it's time for me to start putting some pressure on people to get what I want because I want to be on a winning NBA team and not this team that's full of dysfunction and chaos and conflict. Great stuff by Chad Brown and for Harry Douglas. Join me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. You mentioned Joel Embiid and maybe looking for that exit out of Philadelphia. Doc Rivers, who coached both of these guys the past three seasons in Philadelphia, now an ESPN NBA analyst. When he was on Carlin versus Joe yesterday, he wanted the same thing. If all this could lead to Joel Embiid to look at his agents and say, yeah, we need to make our exit out of here too. That may happen. Uh, but if it does happen, I don't think it'll happen this season. Um, you know, uh, but I think Nick's going to do the same thing I did with the Ben Simmons situation. Unfortunately, Philly is getting very good at this. And the players, Joel and, and Tobias, Tyrese, they've all they've lived this before, you know. And, and so for them, they're just going to, is what I did. I just went and did like, this is who we have. The guys, you know, who want to be here are the guys who are going to play. And then when the other guy shows up, we'll figure it out. And I think that's exactly what they're doing. And that's the thing. I think that's what they almost have to do. Certain talented players, Chad, they're just like fire. You can't get too close. And any time that somebody has had this happen with James Harden, in the end, you wind up getting burned. In Houston, everybody else is to blame. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, he got the heck out of there. He goes to the Brooklyn Nets, and that's an outlier to me. That was just a complete screwed-up situation that had nothing to do with him, and he wanted out of that. I'm not going to blame him for that for saying, you know what, nah, this is too much going on. But this Philadelphia situation, the minute that they traded for him, Dal Morey essentially said these two guys are on the same line. It's Joel Embiid's team, but James Harden is an important piece. And what has James Harden do, done? In the end, everybody is going to get burned, and he's going to make sure that everybody else not named James Harden is going to feel the burn and not him. When people show you who they are, believe them the first time. Come on, this is a Maya Angelou <laughs> quote. It's a famous quote for a reason because it's true. So if you think you are going to be the rehabber of a chronic malcontent, a locker room cancer, that I'm the coach to figure this out. I'm the team president who can put this guy in such a coddled situation that he's somehow going to perform and put all that stuff behind him. No, you coddle these guys. They want to be coddled more. You give them what they want. They want something else because it's not about the team. It's about some power play within them. So this James Harden thing, again, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it, my football Uh, mind around it, because this does not exist 
in football. In football, the owners have the power, okay. which I don't think is the greatest situation either. Got it. Certainly have some pushback on that. But this over-entitlement of these three or four guys we've seen bounce around the NBA from team to team to team and always get a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance, at some point the talent does not outweigh the headache. And for me, James Harden would not – be a guy I could have on my team because the headache and the potential for locker room dysfunction is just way too big. Yeah, I was going to ask you how would you handle that, but you just answered that question for me because I I wonder how something like this would be handled in an NFL locker room because especially you have more guys, more on the line, more guys laying it on the line. Not saying NBA players don't do that, but and especially tonight, it's supposed to be Damian Lillard making his debut for the Milwaukee Bucks, and he asked for his way out, but he gave it so much of a chance in Portland that Portland said, you know, we've gone as far as we can. Fine. We'll make the trade. He wanted to go to Miami. Miami was asking for too much, and they said no. But Milwaukee said, oh, yeah, we'll pair him with Giannis Antetokounmpo. It was different with Damian Lillard wanting out of Portland. At least he gave it 11 years, and he did everything he could. He was always on board to say, I want to win a championship here. I'm not about trying to hitch up the super teams until finally it got to the rubber in the road and he didn't want his tires to be flat anymore. He wanted to make sure he had full tires and he's going to go to the Milwaukee Bucks to do that. James Harden has flattened everybody's tires no matter where he's been. And I just wonder how something like that can continue to your point when you know exactly what you've gotten into, but because of his talent, you believe that if he's here, this situation is going to be different. Yeah, the the ego and the hubris of people to think somehow you can get a, a – cat to change his stripes kind of thing now football is a little bit different because Uh year to year is not guaranteed and every time you go out there and practice or play that could literally be your last practice or your last game and it could all end for you now and i think because of that there's a more urgency in football to get rid of bad locker room people and locker room cancers and people who don't want to be there because i've got this tiny little window where i get to do this thing and you are messing this up for me. You are messing this up for us. So, you know, I've seen teams go co-red on somebody in a locker room. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen lights shut out, and I've seen people be in the training room with an ice pack on their eyes. <laughs> I've seen this in a football locker room. Okay. So I don't think they necessarily need – Joel Embiid should not go Draymond Green <laughs> on James Harden here. I'm not, that's not what I'm advocating, but I just want to illustrate the difference in the culture between the two sports and the urgency that is involved. When you have somebody who does not want to be a part of the program, then we got to kick you out of the program, man, because you mess this up for all of us. Yeah, especially not even allowing them on the plane when they wanted to be there for the first time or at least the second time in training camp. Yikes. Here's Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us. I'm Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. You won't have to worry about LeBron James being on the plane. He's going to be there for the Los Angeles Lakers tonight when they take on the Phoenix Suns. By the way, Devin Booker out with a foot issue. Bradley Beal did not play in game one. He's not going to play in game two tonight. He's out with a back issue versus the Los Angeles Lakers. But all of a sudden, we're not hearing so much about load management. It's taking on a different term called minutes restriction, meaning that guys are probably going to play if they're able to, but they may not play as many minutes because they're trying to make sure that their body's going to be right when it comes to the playoffs, depending on their age, like LeBron James. Charles Barkley, basketball Hall of Famer, was on with us here on Freddie and Harry yesterday, 
And he talked about LeBron James either wanting or being forced to be on a minutes restriction to make sure that by the end of the year, he's going to be as right as he possibly can be. I'm pretty sure going in, they're like, we're going to play you 30, 32, max 35. That's the most he can give them and be effective at his age. As great as LeBron is, nobody at 38 is going to be able to go out there and play 40 minutes a night. I think between 30, 32, maybe 35 max is the most he's going to be able to play because he's got to try to stay healthy. It's a long season. Then you got to go through the grueling playoffs. To play a 38-year-old guy 40 minutes a night at this stage of his career, that would be suicide, plain and simple. To me, that's an indictment on Anthony Davis. That's the Lakers' way of saying that, man, our best player has to be that guy going into his 21st season when it comes to LeBron James. Even though right now, not I'm not talking about overall or cumulative career, but right now the skill set of Anthony Davis should be better than the skill set of LeBron James because he's a lot younger and has played less basketball. Injury, no injury compared to LeBron James. Yet when you got to have a minutes restriction and it didn't seem like LeBron was too happy about it after they lost game one of the Denver Nuggets. But to me, Chad, it's an indictment on Anthony Davis because they look at him and say, man, that's a guy that we can't trust where he'll show up, but what are we getting, no matter what kind of skill set that he always brings to the table for the Los Angeles Lakers? And I think LeBron's anger and frustration had less to do with the minutes and more to do with the outcome. And, yes, I'm fine to take less minutes if we still find ways to win. I'm fine to take less minutes if other guys are willing to step up or can step up and, and, and take over my role on the court. I had a, one of my favorite trainers in all the NFL told me later in my career, Chad, you got to start thinking backwards from Sunday. Okay. You walk in here and it's Wednesday, and you want to practice every Wednesday because that's what made you such a great player because you want to get every rep you can during practice. But if that starts taking away from what you can do on Sunday, then that's not helping you. So how do you how do we get you healthy to Sunday? Then we need to structure the week that allows you to do that. And let me let me tell you, you're not going to be happy with this. Mm-hmm. You're going to hate missing reps during practice. And initially, you're going to feel uncomfortable going into games because you didn't cover every single possible nuance and detail okay. during the week. You had going to go into Sunday a little uncomfortable. But you will thank me later this season if we if you were able to adhere to my plan. I said, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I'm in your hands. Ken Smith was my trainer in Seattle when we had this conversation, and I was able to play majority of the season and be healthy that season because I took less reps in practice. So to start thinking backwards for LeBron, it's not just 17 games. It's 82 games plus two months of playoff basketball, hopefully, for the Lakers that he's got in mind. So, yes, you can be angry and frustrated, but not at the minutes. You need your teammates to stick up up so you can – Adhere to this plan that will allow you to play the full 82 or close to that 72. You have 10 nights where you get load management and then have a great two-month playoff run. Weigh in on this at Triple H at ESPN, 888-729-3776. Minutes restriction plus LeBron James plus lack of trust in Anthony Davis equals already for the Los Angeles Lakers at the losing opening night to the Denver Nuggets, 888-729-3776. He's one of our favorites. He is Roy, the truck driver, keeping this country going. Roy, what you got to say about this minutes restriction, lack of trust in Anthony Davis, and LeBron James being in the middle of all of that for the Los Angeles Lakers? It's really sad that LeBron's career has come to this because A.D. will never be the person. LeBron's better off playing with son than playing with A.D. At least I know his son will give all his heart, blood, and gut. A.D. is like, uh, Ky- uh, not Kyrie, but uh, knucklehead, uh, what's his 
name calling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he got a little aggressive there with the name. When you call somebody a knucklehead, that's like the, one of the ultimate disrespect. That's saying that somebody is not a smart man or a smart yes. woman when you call somebody a knucklehead. <laughs> but I love the fact. That, I, I, I love the fact he said, you know, you can feel bad for LeBron, and I'm not going to go that route, Chad, because this is who LeBron wanted. This is who LeBron said, go get me that guy because that's the guy I need to win a championship. And it worked in a bubble-licious environment when the pandemic happened in 2020. And even before this season said, he said the ball and everything has to go through Anthony Davis. That may not be the best plan for the Lakers if they're going to try or believe they can win a championship going that route. This is why you shouldn't be a GM, LeBron. You are a basketball player. And in the the last uh, five or six years – he stepped far too often into the, the front office role, the GM role, and tried to craft and, and build a team. And players suffer from the same hubris that coaches and front office people do. Bring this guy in, I'll get him right. right. Playing with me will make him better. Playing with me will bring out the inner dog that I believe that is within him. And Anthony Davis, outside of the bubblicious championship has been less of a dog and more of a cat meowing in the corner and where you don't know who he's going to be from game in to game out or half to half. Charles Barkley going back to him, Hall of Fame basketball player and Freddie and Harry yesterday. He echoed Chad exactly what you just said because he was very strong about Anthony Davis. Yeah, that guy's a two, not a one. He's a very talented player, but I don't think he has that mental mindset where he want to go out there and dominate every night. I mean, you, he's just way too inconsistent. And I don't think your number one guy can have those types of peaks and valleys. You know, LeBron tried to pass the torch in the preseason. It doesn't matter. He can't pass the torch. You got to take the torch. Nobody passes the torch. And Anthony, I don't know if he has the mental mindset. He does. He Well, he's proven it, that he doesn't have the mindset to be that number one guy. I even asked Charles Barkley, Chad, after that, I said, what was it like when you had the torch passed to you from Dr. J and Moses Malone? And he said, my play allowed that torch to be passed because they looked at me and said, oh yeah, that has to be the guy because look at the way he's playing. We don't have to worry about not having any trust in him. We know that he can shoulder this by learning or the way he was able to play basketball. Can't have that conversation, even though we've seen Anthony Davis be spectacular at times, but we've seen other times like we saw in game one. And I don't, I don't get overexcited about game ones and positive and negative. But when you have an Anthony Davis skill set, you can't have 17 points in the, in the first half and then have a blue Tarski from Animal House in the second half you go over six. Give me a less talented player every time who's more consistent than a talented player who's occasionally a nine but also sometimes a two. Because in critical situations, if I'm your teammate, if I'm your coach – I need to know what guy is going to show up. And if I've got questions about that, that's a ripple effect across game planning, across substitution patterns, all that stuff. So they've got to find a way to get this guy to a level of consistency that can be sustained. Without that, you you are literally putting hopes and, and dreams and wishes and whims up into the air without having any idea how they're going to come down or where they're going to come down. We're going to dump it into AD here. No idea if this is an off half or on half for him. Which way is the, the switch flip? We don't know, man. So develop some consistency to your game. Or if I'm if I'm part of that Lakers organization, then I'm going to look for a guy who's more maybe not the same caliber, but is more consistent and can give me what I'm looking for game in and game out, half in and half out. Chris and Georgia, my friend, what do you got to say about this at 888-729-3776? 
How you doing, my man? I just want to say, uh, AD, he the league MVP, most vulnerable player. But this is who LeBron <laughs> asked for, so he got to deal with it. <laughs> what did we have yesterday, MVP, when they said, like, most – I forgot what that was. Who said that? But we have two different versions of MVP. We had most vulnerable player, and both centered around Anthony Davis. We got to go back into the tape and listen to that. But, Chad, someone called Anthony Davis MVP, and I forgot how he described it, not most valuable player. And he had us – we were dead after he said that yesterday because it's not complimentary. But when you're that vulnerable and you replace yourself and say, we can't win without this guy, if you're the Lakers, everybody else, they don't have that MVP, most vulnerable player. They got guys they trust and they can rely on. That could be a lot better for their teams the way Anthony Davis has been but not been for the Los Angeles Lakers. Either way, stay tuned. He is Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. We go back to the National Football League, and I can't wait to ask Chad Brown, how would he handle as a player to help his head coach navigate when you got an owner like Jerry Jones in Dallas and this owner of another NFL team that's not any good in 2023? This is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. He is Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius X and Channel 80, and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. By the way, big thanks to NYC Guy 1483. We were trying to remember the MVP acronym that was used for Anthony Davis, but not in the most valuable player form because we had someone call in and say he's the most MVP, most vulnerable player. NYC guys listening yesterday said <laughs> the guy who said was most valueless player. I heard it yesterday in your program. I'm still laughing about that. So we had two different kinds of the acronym MVP, Chad, for Anthony Davis, most valueless player and most vulnerable player. Last time I checked, those two things are not compliments. No, not, not at all. They're funny. They're funny, funny, but they are not compliments. And Anthony Davis has got to find, figure out a way to get this going before this conversation, uh, you know, takes over and becomes, you know, uh, stamped as part of his identity. Yeah. The underperforming guy, the guy who cannot get it done in critical moments. Because we've seen him do it at times yes. in critical moments. And not saying we should want it every time, but we should want it every time, or at least more than what we've seen. And it did not help his case when on opening night against Denver, when he got Nikola Jokic on the other side. And once Nikola Jokic got going, that was that. And then you have an O for the second half when you're Anthony Davis. You can get away with that, you're Austin Reeves. You can't get away with that. 
if you're Anthony Davis. Nope. Meanwhile, in Dallas. Meanwhile, in Dallas. Uh-oh. Uh, well, it's one thing for Micah Parsons. The Cowboys' outstanding outside linebackers last defensive end professing his love for the Philadelphia Eagles on his Tuesday podcast known as The Edge. Number one will have to be the Philadelphia Eagles. No one has stopped the tush-push yet. Devontae Smith could be A.J. Brown's number one receiver. Jason Kelsey, Hall of Famer. Lane Johnson will be a Hall of Famer. They're very special. Their DB core, Darius Slay, crazy talent. James Bradbury, and I know you saw the trade. He just got Kevin Byard. Very special to see. Obviously, I know I was high on Dalen Carter before he even got the Philly. I don't know how he fell to them. Without a doubt, very special group. It's very special to see what they've done, and they still have Reddick. They still have Sweat. I don't believe they have any weaknesses on their team. I'm not saying he's lying, Chad, but if Micah Parsons is your teammate and he goes on a podcast and he gives all those flowers to a team that is in your division that you're trying to take down, how's that landing with you? What are you doing, man? What are you doing? What is wrong with you? Seriously. You're Michael Parsons. You are the best, arguably, the best young defensive player in this league. You are going to get a contract within a very short period of time that's going to guarantee you over $100 million. I know you probably want to do a career in media when you're, when you're done. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure you want to raise your, your, your profile out there. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of ways you can do this. Your podcast should not be a breakdown of teams within our division. And no, no, there, there's certain lines you should not cross as a current player. Once you retire, go for it. Heck, I'm in the same game. I know how this works. Uh-huh. But when you are on the field, when you are still participating, we have to go in that locker room after your Tuesday podcast and see your teammates and a Wednesday practice. No, man. And particularly for guys, you just praise those guys. Mm-hmm. Do you praise the players at your same position? On your team, it just sets you up to fail. There's no win in that situation for him. He's got to find a way to be smarter and not dive into that kind of content. Have a podcast. He's actually right. pretty funny. I, yes. I've enjoyed it when I've listened. So stick to that, but do not get into team analysis while you are still playing as a player. Micah Parsons is not above sending messages. This is not a message that the Eagles are trying to soften them up. To me, that was a message to his organization, specifically his owner and the coaching staff saying, hey, we know how good they are. They got to a place that we have not been since before I was literally born, before I had to play for the Dallas Cowboys, when it comes to being a Super Bowl champion or playing for a Super Bowl. There, there's a way to send that message where you don't have to praise the other team. But Micah Parsons, he went through the detour sign. He went through the guys in the orange outfits waving a flag saying you can't drive through here. He just went right past it and right into the construction zone. And he's willing to deal with it because he's not worried about any blowback when you're the leader of that football team. As bad as that was in the locker room for the Cowboys, I can't imagine this was any better. Hearing from Jerry Jones, Cowboys owner, speaking of having media shows, his radio show, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, he says when it comes to the trading deadline, we are the Dallas Cowboys. We ain't calling you. Uh, it'll have to come our way. I don't want to preclude it in any way, uh, but uh, but it always does. Uh, but you uh, have uh, a lot of machinations that you're working with every day. I do. And uh, but uh, the initiation of an opportunity to make a trade at this time that would help us principally has to start over on the other end. Huh. And uh, so that's not uh, being showing a lack of aggressiveness. It's just that's where it starts. I like where we are with our personnel today. And so I'm not uh, thinking in any way that we need to uh, upgrade our roster. I'm not saying in any way that well, we need a great roster, but 
if you expect us to be helped, well, we're not going to help ourselves and we're not going to call and ask around. We're the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL sun revolves around us. And if you don't realize that, then you're going to get burned. So to make sure that we don't get burned, we're not going to call you. You're going to have to call us. And if a deal actually works out, then a trade can be made. If a deal does not work out, I'm just going to hang up the phone, have my brisket and some Johnny Walker blue and go <laughs> off into the night. All right. I'll give Jerry Jones a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. Now, if you want to get maximum value for your players, okay. if the Cowboys are interested in trading anybody, I think I think they would be more so buyers than sellers. But if you want to get maximum value for your players, then you can't you can't act like those players are freely available. Right. You got to act as if they got to be pried from your cold dead hands. <laughs> so I, I'll give Jerry that benefit of the doubt. But to say that you're happy with your roster, come on, come on, Jerry. You guys got some holes. You guys need some pieces there. Uh-huh. A short yardage back would be one of those. Some stability across your offensive line. We had a caller earlier who went through like 17 different moves he wanted the Cowboys <laughs> to make, and like half of those were on their offensive line. Right. And they want to reshuffle the whole thing. So there's clearly some issues there in Dallas. And for Jerry Jones to not recognize that, I don't think, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't play well to the public or the Dallas Cowboys fan trust of Jerry Jones. If he wants to be the owner and the chief decision maker and mm-hmm. the biggest mouthpiece in Dallas, right. you got to find a way to kick it a little bit more real with people and don't act like they're dumb because they're not. They're Cowboy fans. They may have faith in a team that hasn't been very successful recently, but they are still got some football smarts to them. Yeah, no doubt about that. Chad Brown for Harry Douglas on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. And there's a lot of Jerry Joneses around the NFL. There's really a lot of Jerry Joneses around sports because I saw the look on Frank Reich's face, the head coach of Carolina Panthers, when he was asked the question about being happy with Bryce Young because the smoke is out there that if he had his way, that C.J. Stroud would have been drafted by the Carolina Panthers at number one, but he was overruled by his owner, Dave Tepper. And you don't have to see his face, but you can hear the hemming and hawing about, I'm happy with our guy, bud. I always said, I like C.J. Stroud a lot. I've said this many times. I like that whole quarterback draft. I think they were all really good prospects. I think they're all going to have really good NFL careers. My eyes and our eyes were on Bryce Young from start to finish. We got the guy for us. And I'm sure Houston feels they got the guy for them. That's great. I mean, I think it's great for the NFL. It's great for our two guys. I think we're both very happy with where we're at and the direction we're going. More than ever before, it can't be easy when you got not just hands-on hands-on owners, but they're really embracing owners where they got the whole arm around you. They got all the arms around you. And when you have that kind of money invested in a team, even if you don't know anything about football, anything about basketball, anything about baseball, you're the one writing the checks. You believe that you should have a say. And we're here with certain, the owners that are desperate like that, Chad, they less rely on the people that they've hired to make these kind of decisions. At least in Jerry Jones's case, He's kind of gotten out of the drafting and everything like that. He has final say, but he has guys like Will McClay and even his son Stephen Jones going out there and doing the dirty work. David Tepper, he let, he's let it be known, I'm going to be fully invested in this team. And he was definitely talking more than just money. It can't be easy as a player or a coach when you know you got that kind of owner who is not going to take a step back. He always wants to lead the way, even if he has no knowledge about football the way that he should. Just because you are the richest guy in the room does not make you the smartest guy 
in the room. And I think that's what some of these owners lose track of. Your your wealth was acquired in a completely different space than where we are right now. So you come into this space, and rather than being deferential and taking some time to learn, you walk in and you immediately think your wealth makes you smarter than everyone else in every single aspect. Right. And it, it just doesn't. It doesn't work that way. I'm incredibly impressed by what you've been able to pull off as far as generating billions of dollars. That's an amazing thing. But I am the football expert, not you, Mr. Owner. That's a very difficult conversation to have. Yeah. I've been in the three teams that I played with in the NFL for 15 years. And I did my coaching internships. So I got the chance to see owners around the building. Mm -hmm. Um, And outside of the Rooney family, which in my opinion is the absolute pinnacle of professional sports, where it's family owned, it's very oriented, they bring a family nature to the whole organization, yet they step aside and allow their people to do their jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most owners don't operate in that way. And they're, Billions of dollars makes them smarter than everybody, and they suddenly know football better than people who have been doing this since they were little. And now this owner suddenly is the smartest football person in the room. That's very difficult to see. And I've also watched where the owner comes around and suddenly the coaches and the GM and everyone else is so deferential to this person. Right that it undermines their own authority. If you are going to give this person all this, you know, uh, literal praise every time they walk around, then that person's not going to respect you in your opinion when it comes down to football matters because you've just laid down in front of this person. There's a certain, you know, dog-eat-dog, alpha-dog aspect to all of life. And if you allow this owner to walk in and be the alpha-dog every time and you roll over on your back and show your belly, well, then he's not going to trust you with these decisions. So it's a bit of a two-way street there. The owner's got to step back and take a a little bit of a perspective look on what their actual expert is, but I think these co- these coaches and these general managers also need to find a way to step up and earn that owner's respect by showing them their football prowess and insisting on demanding upon that. Mm. And whenever coaches get hired, they typically talk about ownership. Sean Payton hired last year here in Denver, right. talked about the Pinner Walton group and how he was that was a critical piece of him becoming the coach of the Broncos. And I'm assuming he thought while they're going to be involved in lots of aspects of the football organization, I'm still going to be able to go out there and pick my players in the draft. Either way. Owners are not going to take a step back. It depends how you handle that, whether you're winning or whether you're losing. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman and Harry. I'm Freddie and Harry. Excuse me. We got two two kinds of buffaloes to talk about. One involving bills up in the city of Buffalo. Another involving a human being that you should just have left that buffalo alone. Keep it here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate you joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And don't forget about telling your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Chad, we got the Buffalo Bills tonight trying to not make it three losses in the last four games. They barely won game above 500. They are 3-1 and one at home, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. They are a 10-point favorite, but many people believe, including a certain guy named Chris Canty, when he said it this morning, unsportsmanlike, with him – Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallman. Don't forget that morning show Monday through Friday, 6, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio. He firmly believes that their line, in terms of their Super Bowl line, is definitely closing. It's a maddening team to watch. The mistakes are absolutely ridiculous. 
And if they're going to continue to play the way that they are, then this team's championship window is closed. Their window is closed. If the, if Josh Allen and this offense continue to have multiple turnovers, and they've had multiple turnovers over the last three games, if they continue to do that, this team ain't going nowhere fast this season, and I think it's getting late early in terms of being able to win a championship with this core of players. It might be getting late early for Sean McDermott, too. I don't know if a championship window is closing if they continue down this path this year, but if they go to 4-4 four and four in a locked and loaded AFC, man, oh, man, if they get to the playoffs, they're going to be playing some games on the road and not having home field advantage up in Buffalo. Yeah, they certainly would be facing an uphill climb if they don't find a way to win this game. But I don't think this spells a death sentence for them if they don't win this game tonight. They've got to find a way. In football, you're behind the game. You can't get a grand slam. You can't Mm -hmm. score 28 points and get yourself back into it. You've got to get one first down, one drive, one score at a time. And for Buffalo, they've got enough issues where they've got to find a way just to get the arrow pointed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Of course you want to try to find a way to win. Of course you want to come out on the winning side. But if you were to lose this game and the arrow was pointed up because your offense wasn't struggling as much, your injury plague defense found a way to step up and play better, then if I'm Sean McDermott, I'm beginning to feel okay. While we we didn't find a way to win this one, we got something done this game that we can build off of, that we can capitalize off and move forward with going into our future game. So they've got to find a way. Like I said, this injury plague defense has got to play better. And this offense has got to get more rhythm. They've got to find another playmaker other than Stephon Diggs, particularly in the receiving core. Well, the, the playmaker to me, the best pay, playmaker tonight has to be the offense coordinator, Ken Dorsey. That has to be their best playmaker because you got three different running backs in which they average at least 4.1 yards per carry, led by James Cook, and he has over 400 yards. But he's barely running the football 11 times a game. That's a guy that can get a few more touches in the running game, and he also catch out of the backfield. To me, the best playmaker tonight for the Buffalo Bills in offense has to be the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. You can't just put all the shoulders on Josh Allen. That front seven is really, really good in Tampa Bay, but you can ta- attack him in the back end. That doesn't mean you say, go out there and throw the football in the band in the running game. For my money, Chad, tonight, Ken Dorsey has to be their best playmaker. If his play calling is slipshod and haphazard, it's going to be a lot tougher game. It's going to be a tough game anyway. I don't think they win by 10 points. I think the Bills win this game, but Ken Dorsey has to be their best playmaker tonight. I would agree with that. He's got to find a ways to dial up specific packages to get the ball to these guys you just mentioned. You know, James Cook is fourth on the team with uh, 17 receptions. Let's get him involved. Donaldson Kincaid, who's a talented tight end, 25 receptions on 27 targets. Let's find a way to get him involved. Only less than 200 yards receiving over the course of the season. No touchdowns this year for Dalton Kincaid. So uh, Ken Dorsey has got to dial up some things where it just is not literally the Josh Allen show. Right. He cannot be – I don't want him to end this game in the same spot where he started this as the Buffalo Bills' second leading rusher. Wow, yeah. That's – again, you're, you're – I understand there's some quarterbacks who are, are like that, and, and Josh Allen certainly can't be that way. But for this team to go where we would love for them to go and expect them to go based on all the preseason hype, that can't continue. Yeah, and after this game, whether they win or lose, if they're 4-4, four and four, ooh, then at Cincinnati, home versus Denver, they're playing a little bit better lately. Home versus the Jets, that's a revenge game for them. Then at Philadelphia, at Kansas City, home versus the Cowboys, and at the Los Angeles Chargers, then home versus the Patriots, then at the Miami Dolphins to end the season. That's why this game is so critical. I got them winning. What about you real quick? I do have them winning. Uh, I think the Baker Mayfield is definitely experiencing a bit of a career resurgence, but that won't be enough tonight. I think the Bills get this thing 
maybe not fully right it, but going in the right direction tonight and get the win. Chad Brown and for Harry Delk is joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Each and every night, you missed out on anything that could be sports-related, not sports-related. We make sure you are caught up like this. They may not be the top stories of the day. In other news. But you need to be in the know. This is In Other News. We go from one set of Buffalo Bills to a different set of Buffaloes. Word of advice, you're going to go to a national park, leave the bison alone. At Yellowstone National Park, one tourist got up close and personal with a wild bison. Here's how it did not end well for them. By the way, you can see this image on two rounds of Yellowstone. A bison literally has this dude's head underneath his head pinned to the ground. What? I'm not making that up. There is footage of this because he was warned. Do not get too close to the bison. There are signs everywhere saying that bison are responsible for more animal-related injuries in Yellowstone Park than any other animal, and you got to stay at least 75 feet away from them. Chad, apparently this guy got 75 centimeters away, and then he got really pinned by a bison underneath the head of the bison. I'm looking at this picture right now. This bison's got that dude pinned down to the ground Mm -hmm. like he's choking him out in a street fight. Mm -hmm. As a guy who played for the Colorado Buffaloes, I know the size of those animals. (laughs) Definitely be smart and stay away. No doubt about it. Amber Nian comes your way next. This is Freddie and Harry on the Mighty ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.